So hello, welcome everybody um, to today's webinar on um, stopping ransomware using artificial intelligence. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we're here to discuss a number of topics related to privacy, AI, um, and data protection together with Hub Security's very own Chief Revenue Officer, David Hochhauser, uh, alongside Dr. Celeste Frelick, Chief Data Scientist and Senior Principal Engineer at McAfee. Thank you both for being here today. And um, we'll start our webinar with a brief introduction from David on today's discussion topics. And then uh, Dr. Frelick will get the chance to introduce herself and um, begin her presentation for today. Afterwards, we'll get into a bit of a deeper discussion on everything related to ransomware security, including its ongoing threats and solutions. As usual, we'll leave some time at the end of our discussion for a short Q&A. So if you have questions throughout, um, throughout the presentation or throughout the discussion, you can just drop them in the Q&A section and we'll get to them um, at the end of the discussion. Um, so now we'll begin with a few words from David before we hand off the mic for introductions. Um, okay, thank you, Sharon. So as you said, I'm Dave Hockhauser. I'm Chief Revenue Officer for Hub Security. Um, and my company designs and builds extremely secure hardware and software um, computing platform that we center around something we call confidential computing. So welcome to what I think will be a fascinating talk by Celeste. Um, let me just take a minute to explain why we're holding this session. And truth is, um, it really doesn't take too much to see why ransomware is of interest. So there's a ton of activity around it. Um, it's constantly, you know, headline news. Um, it's, it's causing tons of damage to business customers. You see news shutting down infrastructure, um, government systems, hospitals. Um, personally, um, I can't really use the adjectives to describe publicly what comes to mind when I think about people attacking hospitals, especially during COVID. Um, but it does emphasize the need for creative solutions. So I met, I met Celeste um, and found that McAfee was really working on AI for ransomware. And I thought it would be fascinating and an excellent topic uh, to hear from her. So um, also keep in mind while the focus, obviously we focus on educational webinars. Um, it does relate to Hub Security's emphasis on securing and protecting AI. Um, and I'll touch upon that briefly um, as time permits, if time permits towards the end of it. Um, we'll be happy to answer any questions, um, type in your questions and we'll answer them after the initial presentation by Celeste. So um, sit back, enjoy um, as the Chief Data Scientist for McAfee uh, prevent, presents her views on ransomware protection. So back to you, Sterney, um, and I assume you'll hand it off to um, Celeste. Yeah, thanks, David, um, for a great introduction. Um, yeah, Celeste, why don't you, you know, give us just a brief background on yourself, um, just so our audience gets familiar with who you are, and we can sure. establish credibility. Sure, uh, Celeste Freilich, I I'm the Chief Data Scientist and Senior Principal Engineer at, at McAfee. Um, I am a retiree of, of Intel who purchased McAfee uh, back in, oh gosh, I think it was 2014. And uh, they asked me to stick around and uh, run the AI group. And so I've done that. And when we um, uh, spun out in 
April of 2017, I, I just stayed with him. I'm out of Lubbock, Texas, uh, home of Buddy Holly, who inspired the Beatles, and um, home of Texas Tech University and its medical school. Um, we're a, a, a big uh, oil and cotton producing uh, West Texas, nice folks, uh, out in the country place. So let's hope my, uh, let's hope my, uh, network stays up. And, uh, uh, I've been, I've been doing this about 41 years now and, uh, data science, uh, since day one, I'm a, a statistician, but a, a biomedical engineer by, um, official degree. And, um, I am not a security expert, but uh, uh, hopefully I can uh, give you a few nuggets about uh, stopping ransomware with AI. Yeah, I'm sure you can. Um, so why don't you take it away? Um, sure. All ears. Okay. Uh, and uh, I did want to mention, I'm a stage four breast cancer patient. And uh, because of my, uh, I'm in remission, but unfortunately, um, I take chemo every three weeks, which has destroyed my memory. So I will be using some notes, which is very unusual for me in my past, um, my past life, uh, pre-cancer six years ago. But uh, so forgive me if I, if I have to check on them. Uh, I just have chemo brain real bad. So uh, anyway, uh, let's get started. This is the agenda. Let's go through some fun facts about ransomware, AI, pyramid of complexity and intelligence, uh, some review of malware types, uh, detecting ransomware using AI. I'll give you an example that I have a patent on and uh, protecting ransomware against um, uh, protecting against ransomware and building an AI ransomware detection models. Just some general tips if, if you plan on doing that yourself. Um, as you can see, here's some interesting uh, statistics. Andrew Ning, of, uh, co owner of uh, Coursera and uh, owner of Landing AI. He uh, indicated that AI has, um, uh, he equates it to the new electricity, uh, to electricity, and I, I can't agree more. It's, it's something as uh, now inherent in our lives, uh, but as you know, uh, with the cloud, with uh, Moore's Law, with internet, that's all great and wonderful, but unfortunately with the um, good comes the bad and uh, it has allowed adversaries to use it for ransomware, the most common type of, of malware. This particular slide, um, the one that surprised me most is a 26% increase of global GDP of AI by 2030. So it's gonna be with us for a, for a while. I wanted to share with you, um, uh, making sure that we're all grounded in common AI terms, um, as both adver adversary and uh, uh, security companies utilize some form of machine learning, deep learning, or AI. Now, uh, I, I start with the bottom of architecture and data management. Um, Architecture is used for data lineage 
and uh, we want to ensure compute capability. Um, architecture is really the the one of the Achilles heels of of AI um, because there's a lot of downsampling, there's a lot of filtering. It's one of the reasons only forty seven percent of AI projects. Um, uh, uh, get into production. So uh, data management, you've probably heard that. You're going to hear a lot more of it in the next few years because people are finally understanding that uh, data management is inclusive of data governance, quality, documentation, traceability, uh, and other foundational items that are absolutely critical to data quality and a reliable AI product. Um, I'm a big proponent of statistics, as you can imagine. Uh, all of MLDL and AI uh, have some sort of statistics in them. It's important to understand uh, the basics of statistics, particularly distributions, because in security, notably ransomware, it is nonlinear, and most models assume linearity. So you may be leaving um, accuracy on the table if you're using a, an inappropriate model for linear when your data is actually nonlinear. So uh, ML, as you, as you know, it trains and learns patterns. Deep learning is very complex, very layered. It's uh, very difficult to explain how uh, the machine came to that uh, uh, result. And so you'll see now the, the rise of explainability, which uh, speaks to the strength and direction of the features that make up the result of deep learning. Um, AI uh, is... Uh, 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 the futurists believe that AI will finally reach the true AI of reason, logic, and value judgments by 2029. I'll be surprised at that. Uh, I think it will be a, a tad later, uh, but it is definitely um, a, a challenge uh, when you see AI model or models using AI. Uh, typically, it will use NLP and uh, uh, deep learning together, uh, but marketing has come along and said, oh, let's throw everything into AI. So for ease of communication, what I'm going to do is just use the term AI throughout the entirety of the um, presentation. Um, I'm a purist, so if, if I'm using machine learning, I'll say machine learning, if, uh, typically mathematically, but uh, in, in this case, I'm just going to throw it all together and say AI, thanks to marketing. Um, as you're aware, uh, there are many, many types of uh, malware, many which uh, are listed here and some which are not, like fileless. Um, uh, that doesn't use files and it's stored in memories. Um, memory. Most of the uh, types of malware tend to ebb and flow as policing actions converge on bad actors and shut them down, like Emotet was earlier this year, which targeted financial institutions. But there's also um, those type of of uh, malware like Mirai 
botnet that attacks IoT devices with weak passwords. And it has uh, stayed around since 2016. And others utilize code from other malware. And as you'll see, it has become very big business for uh, nation states and organized crime in ransomware. And many of these malwares that are listed here are um, are, are used for implementing a ransomware uh, payload. Let's make sure you know what ransomware is. Ransomware is malware that infiltrates computers, obviously, via phishing emails, uh, typically, or other malware like Trojans. Um, it holds data and system hostage. Uh, the, the ransom note will ask you for Bitcoin or like, uh, uh, cryptocurrency to release a decryption key. Unfortunately, the longer you wait, um, the higher the ransom. And often uh, they'll delete the files more, more uh, they'll delete more files the longer you wait. And um, they may or may not release the data and the systems. And once you get your system back with the encryption key, um, or the de-encryption key, I should say, um, you have no idea whether they've stolen your PII, whether they've stolen passwords, your critical financial records. And worse than that, you don't know if they have also put additional software on your system to attack your endpoint or your systems again um, uh, in the future when you're not looking. So um, ransomware is, is, is pretty nasty. Cyber criminals continue to follow the, the money. Uh, so uh, uh, Bitcoin, uh, cryptocurrency uh, go hand in hand. And uh, one of the things I did want to mention, um, just checking my notes, is that uh, once a bad actor has uh, has infiltrated your your system, it can locate uh, uh, APIs on your uh, uh, APIs to call your backup copy. So. It's uh, sometimes people will say, oh, and I do it as well. Go ahead and do a backup copy of your, of, of an isolated backup copy of, of your system. But the uh, bad actors have uh, uh, gotten smart to that and they found your API of the that calls a backup copy and infects it prior to detonation of the ransomware. So um, it's uh, pretty nasty uh, and uh, cyber criminals uh, continue to use uh, cryptocurrency and it's just uh, skyrocketing. There's, there's good and bad to cryptocurrency, but it certainly has escalated the, the use of ransomware. So uh, just some fun facts about ransomware. It is the most prominent malware threat nowadays. So as you know, ransomware hits every 11 seconds and um, the predictions show that ransomware will cost 265 billion by 2031 annually. It's currently at 20 billion. So that's a 10, that's a, a, a thousand uh, percent growth rate in, in 10 years. So it's, it's, it's really uh, 
kind of scary. Um, your average downtime after a ransomware attack is about 21 days. Uh, there is um, not really an average of how long ransomware stays in your system uh, before the ransomware is detonated. It can be one month, it can be n months. Um, the important important part is ensuring that you stop their access uh, with the other malware that is typically hiding the ransomware. Uh, now, ransomware um, has, uh, uh, as a service, which is a custom created variant of a ransomware family at a low volume is taking over. So the um, the uh, ransom, uh, ransomware for unique families have gone down, but ransomware as a service has gone up because what they do is they sell small bits of code to people for uh, a part of the ransom or a small fee, and it has become a big business for organized crime in nation states. Um, the uh, 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 the ransomware dark side that attacked the United States colonial pipeline, uh, resulting in a, a gas shortage, uh, gas station shortage earlier this year in, in May. Um, access was gained through a, a closed VPN password uh, and account, and apparently that password was uh, uh, used in something else that was placed in the dark web, and the dark web grabbed a hold of it, stole it, and eventually used it across, um, against Colonial. This slide that you're seeing here is um, a uh, is from the McAfee quarterly threat report. This is the amount of uh, uh, new ransomware, as you can see in the first quarter of 2021, it's gone down, of, and that's uh, based on what I you know, said earlier, that the unique families are going down, but ransomware as a service is going, is going up. So um, uh, you can, the global threat report from McAfee, you can get that on our website, mcafee.com, every quarter, and uh, you'll find that um, there's a significant uptick so far in general uh, attack volume, uh, increasing about 151% in the first six months of this year compared to last year. That The FBI says that there's about a hundred strains circulating around the world. I would guesstimate that that is a small number. I bet that's more. Um, and uh, WebRoot analysis, uh, WebRoot analysts will look for polymorphisms in the ransomware. And what polymorphisms are, which are seen in 97% of general malware, is that it will create modified version of itself to avoid detection. And they use different encryption keys, um, making it very difficult to pin down. Now, uh, now the, uh, oh, going the wrong way. Okay, so um, I'm sorry, I don't know how to get rid of this, this little thing up here. 
so you can see the top, but I, I did want to point out the markets um, that are being hit by ransomware. Uh, financial, energy, and media are about 14%, I believe, yes. And uh, healthcare is 17%. They sell the uh, records for about $408. Um, it's the current uh, going rate and I uh, 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 just wanted to check. Um, and with uh, COVID, general malware attacks um, have also increased, as I mentioned, as more employees are working from home and those employees don't have uh, either uh, VPN, router protection, or um, multiple uh, multi-factor authentication, which those three are, are critical when you're working from home. So by the way, um, when I was doing, checking my numbers and research on this, I did find that you'll, you'll see some different numbers about the markets uh, from the ones that are listed here, you'll, um, but, I think we can generally say uh, healthcare and media um, and financial are 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 always uh, some of the highest and most lucrative uh, targets. Now, I uh, this is a chart uh, as well from the McAfee. Uh, uh, a quarterly threat report. It's the top ransomware families. Um, you'll see that um, uh, our evil ransomware utilized a number of um, of technical uh, techniques. Uh, it is uh, ransomware as a service. Uh, it uh, targeted the Oracle Web Logic uh, vulnerability, as did. Um, so de Kenobi, I think is the way you pronounce it. Um, it does uh, also uh, uh, utilize uh, DLL sideloading. And on the left, you'll see that general malware stats, uh, coin miner malware increased 117% due to growth in the 64-bit coin miner application and um, internet of things surged 55% due to Mirai. Now I mentioned Mirai before, uh, it's been around for a long time. So a lot of these will, um, um, you know, ebb and flow, as I said, or it'll, um, uh, you know, change uh, change some some small part of code and uh, reemerge as, as a new name. Now, Ransom EXX, uh, they're in the light blue, um, has both Windows and Linux versions. It's delivered by, uh, 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 it, Sorry, it's uh, it has Windows and now it has Linux variants. It disables uh, security products and loads a secondary payload into memory, so it's considered fileless, uh, never touching um, the disk. It targeted um, the Texas Department of Transfer Transportation and some some tech companies. Um, oh, coin miner, yeah, it it increased one hundred and seventeen percent. I mentioned that. Um, 
And uh, now, okay, now that you're starting to understand uh, ransomware uh, a little bit and know some fun facts, uh, let's look at its life cycle. So that first thing underneath the, the, the uh, tab uh, there that I can't seem to get rid of, um, it says um, access. They first gain access via phishing, spam, vulnerabilities, uh, passwords. Uh, sometimes a victim doesn't have to do anything. You don't have to click on a, a spam uh, or, or a, a, a spyware, or, or I'm sorry, an adware, or you, the victim doesn't have to do anything. It will take... Uh, 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 it, it will take um, advantage of vulnerabilities like that Oracle web logic. Uh, then it will do, then they will um, execute credential theft without you knowing it. They'll sit in the LSA access, the um, memory dump, they'll use uh, PowerShell, which is uh, fileless. Then they'll uh, laterally move. Um, you'll want to make sure that any security product that you have does stop that lateral movement because it's, it's quite common. Um, they'll perform reconnaissance on the best target in the organization. Then they'll uh, uh, go to the fourth point. They'll, they'll sit there and, pers and persist in the startup, the DLL, uh, the file transfers, background ops, and, and then they'll take a look at your financial records, your insurance docs, and very often they will align their ransom note with how much insurance you have or how much um, uh, money you have in the bank. And then finally, all the what the victim sees is the ransom note demanding that they pay cryptocurrency, which is typically hard to track, and you may get your data back, um, maybe. So again, remember that they, they may have an ability to um, uh, sit in uh, the uh, sits uh, in your backup file as well. So, as you can imagine, um, uh, uh, globally ransomware continues to increase uh, its volume, uh, noted here by the orange bars, and uh, compared to that's 2021 compared to 2020. Uh, of the blue bars, uh, you can see that uh, ransomware is just taking off and that's largely due to the ransomware as a service with a lateral movement propagating the adversarial code. The reason they use um, RAS is because uh, they can get more lucrative targets, they can get much more uh, uh, specificity and uh, like the colonial pipeline, they can re a lot more havoc. Uh, like a human virus and a bacterial virus, uh, they'll continually mutate and adapt to the host defense mechanisms. Um, uh, uh, vaccination helps with the human virus. Unfortunately, ransomware is more difficult because of polymorphisms uh, that I mentioned earlier, country laws, and the many ways that they infiltrate computer systems such as weak passwords and 
and security vulnerabilities. And uh, fortunately, security companies like McAfee have developed AI solutions um, that I've been a part of to defend against ransomware. And uh, in the next slide, I'll, I'll show you an older patent method, which I helped to develop. And after that, we'll investigate ways that uh, security customers and those embedding um, AI and their business functions and products can uh, help uh, protect against uh, ransomware. Uh, this particular method that I utilized um, or I created with my colleagues um, uh, started with, um, at any rate, uh, first of all, we identified the file activity. Was it rights disk? Uh, uh, new file, file write, um, and then we accessed the model. Um, we used basic uh, statistical properties, uh, mathematical features of the files, such as uh, Monte Carlo, uh, arithmetic mean, um, entropy, and others. Um, and we applied statistical based thresholds and then we compared the computed value against the expected value uh, because the difference determined the probability of the ransomware candidate or not. Now, a lot of folks will use those thresholds as, hey, zero to, or zero to 10 is, is benign. Uh, 10 to 50 is, is kind of a gray area, 50, you know, and it, it goes on. Use statistics um, to determine what those numbers are instead of just using your, your thumb. And, and that's the one thing, if you don't take anything away, please, please use just basic statistics. Um, this particular uh, product uh, that was uh, utilized in our uh, consumer product, uh, the, the, the neural network uh, was, wasn't hard. Um, we did start with the lowest, uh, the lowest model, lowest, uh, least complex model possible and worked our way up. Um, and, uh, but the feature engineering itself, uh, the first few uh, versions had trouble scaling. Um, so, uh, but what if you're a data scientist? This is a this is a uh, this is a uh, product that uh, that or a uh, an AI approach that um, we no longer use, but um, because we've we've evolved from this. But uh, what if you're building something? Um, for an internal business function, or you want to embed uh, neural networks into a uh, product to sell, um, how can you tell if the efficacy over a specified period um, that your customer expects, um, what is the reliability of your model? Do you know that? And how can you tell if malware has infiltrated your system that might harbor ransomware? How can you determine if adversarial machine learning attack, also known as model hacking, has occurred? So um, uh, what you see here is some of the answers to those questions are um, 
are, are really critical to um, the integrity of the AI model that you're developing. So one of the most egregious issues that I find today is that 51% of companies do not monitor their model once it is in the field. And since all models decay at different rates, how do you know when your model begins to decay if you're not monitoring it? So uh, the same goes for monitoring the development of AI models internally prior to releasing in the field. It's critical to monitor your AI performance to understand what may be causing the model to no longer perform against your chosen measurement. And I've chosen here accuracy as our performance measurement. You may want to choose, um, let's say, a false positive rate or even a positive predictive value, whatever your business deems appropriate and valuable uh, to the company and to the, uh, to the business. These root causes that are driving the decay over time are represented by a consolidation from several sources in the rectangle, the colored rectangles there. They may be caused by malware that can harbor ransomware. So it's very important to understand why your AI model is decaying. I've not presented the math here. That's for, a, for another presentation. I'm writing a paper on it. However, once you begin to understand your aggregated root causes and decay rate, you can then calculate your mean time to decay. And you can share that mean time to decay just like you can share mean time to failure on hardware, you can share that with your C-suite and your customers, the rest of industry. So uh, let's go ahead and quickly look at one particular technique that bad actors use to infiltrate your system called adversarial machine learning. Uh, you might, uh, uh, adversarial machine learning is where they uh, can literally uh, without knowing, they use black box attacks without knowing your model, without understanding your features, knowing your features, they can use transfer learning to accelerate adversarial poisoning. Um, so it's critical to monitor this very, very, very small FP increases because what they'll do is um, this is actually the charts is one of my favorite charts from Papernot in uh, a paper of 2016. They will use a source machine learning technique like K-nearest neighbors to um, uh, attack, say, a support vector machine with a success rate of 82%. And as you can see, some are less, some are more. But what will happen with these poisoning uh, attacks is they'll, they'll slowly um, uh, increase your false positive rate. And so what will happen is your SOC, your security operations center will look at it and go, oh, that's such a nuisance. It's a, you know, it, it's a false, let's just go ahead and, and de decrease or adjust the, um, uh, the threshold. So it stops alerting or increase it actually. Um, so unfortunately, that is one way that the bad actors know that they have corrupted your system. One experiment that we did had 700 features 
Um, and we just changed 10 of them using a white box attack. So we knew the model, we knew the features. We just changed 10 of those 700 features and we were able to take the, um, the model and change uh, the particular um, uh, uh, group of, of uh, maliciously, uh, they were malicious identified files and they all turned into benign with just 10 of 700 features. So you can see that um, uh, transfer learning can be quite uh, uh, naughty and, and used by the, um, by, uh, the uh, uh, adversaries. Now, um, so I, I did mention uh, the 51% of companies don't monitor models after deployment. You're going to see a lot of, of focus on that in the next few years. Um, the other thing that I would recommend is uh, how are you monitoring and alerting um, model performance in, in the field? Um, so these are uh, built upon another, uh, they're not separate entities, but we take field information, feed it back into the model. Uh, the, we alert with statistic, uh, statistically based thresholds. Can you predict that? And finally, your monitoring concept drift, your monitoring data decay, cyber secu security threats, your anomalies and volumes of your features in the model, uh, your FP rates as at a, at a minimum. Now, this kind of drills down a little bit more um, on drift, decay, cyber uh, threats, anomalies, and models. You'll notice that the new threats, uh, TP, TN, FP, and FN there, uh, those are, are really very critical to understand whether uh, an adversary has, uh, has infiltrated your system or not. Finally, models must be trained, uh, retrained. Uh, you should know what the rate is and why. This is the Achilles heel, main Achilles heel of, of AI, implementing a model and leaving it out in the field without maintenance or retraining. It's an invitation to bad actors. So be aware that not all monitors or alerts um, uh, haven't been listed here, uh, but at least it'll get you started down the right path. So in ransomware um, protection in particular, um, uh, I would recommend that the MITRE ATT&CK framework will help you guide the, uh, your approach and discovery enforcement and harden. Always update your endpoint protection and OSs, secure your Windows configuration. Yes, our app uh, ransomware does impact Apple. So uh, those, I didn't show the chart, but if you'll check our quarterly threat report, you'll see ransom or Apple uh, malware is uh, increasing at a very high rate as well. Uh, the file backups, uh, you need to isolate them off the network, but understand the risk and include that risk within your risk assessment, train your people, enable practices that are user transparent, uh, such as encryption, firewalls, and analysis of emails. And if you're brave enough to create your own AI, these are just general 
pointers to target uh, specific action in the ransomware lifecycle. Don't try and solve world hunger. Uh, comprehend the nonlinearity and behavior of the outliers. Understand where they fit within the distribution. Consider that you're dealing with an infinite feature space feature space and polymorphisms, and um, it, it, particularly in security and rans, uh, security malware, you're going to find, again, 97% of malware contains polymorphisms. That is going to challenge a data scientist model and the data quality. Always start with that least complex model first, always um, because of the compute footprint, the higher you go up that pyramid, the more, um, the, the, the larger the compute uh, footprint, uh, utilize explainability, those statistical thresholds and monitor, monitor, monitor. Uh, lastly, if you see something unusual, question everything, like um, Uncle Al here, question absolutely everything. Um, so we've reviewed uh, the current stats of AI and ransomware, the pyramid of complexity and intelligence, ransomware lifecycle, the brief review of ransomware uh, solution that I created, uh, model decay, mean time to decay that you can calculate, adversarial machine learning or model hacking, a covert way of bad actors uh, getting into your system, and general monitors to protect your uh, to protect your system. And if you're brave enough, general pointers to uh, detect your ransomware. So hopefully I've given you a few uh, nuggets with a short time together. Apologize for the um, problems we had at the beginning. And you understand ransomware a bit better. Um, question everything. And uh, if you need to get a hold of me, uh, that's me. And uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much, Dr. Freilich. Um, this is a super, super, super fascinating uh, presentation. And I think uh, for anyone who um, you know w just woke up and dug, dug themselves out of a hole and asked, what is ransomware? This was a really great um, introduction to, this, to the topic. Um, so thank you very much. And thank you for, for your time and um, sure. for your last insights. Um, I had some questions I, I would like to ask uh, both you and David, and I also would like to open up the floor to our audience um, to ask any questions if they would like. As a reminder, um, there is a Q&A section below, so you can just click that and submit your question there, and we will get to them uh, very soon. First off, David, any, any thoughts, anything to add before I, I get into some questions? Oh, no, first of all, that was excellent. That was really completely in listening mode, actually listening pretty intently, learned quite a bit. Oh, um, <laughs> so that was really good. I see there are some questions though that are coming in first. So let's let's handle yeah. those first. Okay, well, um, I see one from Tim. Thank you very much um, uh, for your, your comment about your memory. <laughs> um, what's the best way to attach the global, this global virus that has attached itself to enterprise software? I learned of it on 60 Minutes a few weeks ago. Oh, I missed that one. Uh, sounds like the code written will be impossible to stop since it's been infiltrating all software. Oh, yes, I've heard of this. Um, uh, the, oh, I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know offhand how our security experts are are um, are, are doing uh, are attacking this particular virus. I do know that one of the issues that I've seen with our enterprise customers, and you might be aware that McAfee uh, uh, divested our enterprise uh, business uh, a few weeks ago, uh, but I was mostly enterprise focused. And so now I, I have a new job <laughs> in consumer, but um, with enterprise software, one of the things that you'll always see is layers and layers and layers. And one of the problems I've seen with some of customers, enterprise customers, is they'll, uh, for cost savings, they'll buy only this particular, only this particular uh, uh, solution. When they have an escalation, what we find is that, hey, if you had also bought this, it, it would have protected you. One of the things that I can recommend at this point is um, every one of our enterprise products, and there's a number of them. Um, I don't set the prices. I don't do the marketing, mind you, but every one of those products are, are evolving on a routine basis to, um, to protect and detect. And what I would recommend as an enterprise customer is to buy, I hate to say this because I'm not into marketing or sales, buy as much as you can. Uh, if I left McAfee, I tell you what, what I would do is I would buy everything possible just for my home network, including the router uh, protection. So um, how do you get on the offensive and attack the hackers with very large hammers? Actually, adversarial machine learning was the first time in security research that we have been on the offensive. And um, as we publish papers, we have actually um, found that adversarial machine learning uh, has been picked up as you, you can expect by bad actors. But um, our, uh, I, I would say that the things that we utilize in defense can also be used for offense. Um, I find that the, um, the uh, adversarial machine learning that my team has been focused on for about five, five and a half years now, and leaders in the industry um, has been really the first time in security research that we've been offensive and we really need to do more. So I totally agree with, with that. Um, could you please talk a little bit more about the feature extraction stage for ransomware extraction? Um, in particular, we utilized um, the statistical normal features that you find in ransom in 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 a file, um, those particular features, um, I would always 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 start with unsupervised learning, uh, just to understand why things are separating. Um, I would uh, then understand um, what is driving the separation and the distance from center to center. 
uh, not necessarily the center to the outside of that particular um, cluster uh, in an unsupervised uh, cluster. But uh, specifically, we looked at um, uh, entropy, as I mentioned, Monte Carlo, Pi, we looked at literally arithmetic mean of the files. So if you'll, uh, and you can find the patent online, it has an entire list of what those um, features are. And I think I've got them listed as well in the speaker notes. And the speaker notes, because my memory is so crappy, um, are very, very thorough. So if you need, don't want to listen to my voice anymore, take a look at the speaker notes and they have uh, the list of all the features that, um, that we used, or you can check the, the patent. Um, do we have time for one more? Yeah, we have plenty of time. I mean, I had sure. some questions I wanted to, to shoot oh, at you guys. I thought we only had till the top of the hour, so, okay. I think we can stretch uh, out um, at least another 15, uh, 15 minutes, if oh, that's okay. awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's see. I can just go through uh, the rest of the Q&A, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, does one need, then let me see if I can find those. Um, uh, entropy, Monte Carlo Pi, Monte Carlo Pi error, serial correlation coefficient, arithmetic mean, and chi-square distribution. Um, I have also found in security, which is very, the data is very similar to human data, the way it uh, works together with uh, uh, merging features together. Uh, that's a, a critical point. Um, but you'll find that basic statistics and understanding the distribution of your data first and understanding those outliers and why they're outliers is actually probably 80% of the problem. And in most security, uh, uh, in most security uh, problems and AI models that I've seen. Uh, does one need to update the training data set every time to prevent decaying of the model? Um, or build a new model from scratch. Oh Lord, don't, don't build a new model from scratch unless it is decayed. Now, what you wanna do is you want to find, um, uh, understand what is, uh, first of all, you, you, let me see if I can go back to that particular. One of the things you wanna do is first of all, identify the model. And uh, that's the first thing. And then you want to identify um, that the current accuracy and measure over time that accuracy. And, and you can choose accuracy, as I said, or you can choose false positives of that or false positive rate or whatever is important to your business on the left there. But get that black line first. And as you find that um, it is decreasing, that is typically, you know, what is your, you'll have to understand what is your pain point from your customer and your business that at that point you want to retrain. So typically if I have a, if my false positive rate has skyrocketed, I've got to understand 
what the root cause is and immediately retrain. I would, I would rarely create a new model unless I want to evolve or jumpstart. Uh, for example, if you have a model that's um, an NLP model that is looking at languages and you've got one for every language in the world, uh, you can look at the model decay on every one of those uh, language uh, languages for the rest of your life, but you're going to be inundated with model decay uh, just because every model decays at, at their own rate, uh, depending on the root cause. And so if I created a new model that was multilingual, that would be a jump in an evolution of my AI. So I would, uh, it's a totally different model. That's when I would do a new, a new training, um, a new training model. Uh, uh, sorry, a new model, uh, not retraining, but a new, completely different model and a new approach. Um, so I use one model for multilingual instead of hundreds, almost thousands of different language models. I noticed a confusion matrix in one of the slides. What kind of independent variables need to be introduced to not only to not only detect the attack but also hit back? Um, it. I hate to say this because I did this when I was a regulatory and biomedical at Intel. It depends. Um, again, it, it depends on. Um, it depends on your model as to what dependent and independent variables you have um, to, uh, to uh, detect the attack. And again, I, I highly stress unsupervised learning uh, to begin with, to then eventually drive to supervised learning. Uh, unsupervised learning in the feature space can tell you so much about that, um, about that, uh, that um, the behavior of, of the malware. Um, uh, what kind, I, it again, I'm sorry, I, I wish I had something better than it depends. It really depends on what your output is and what you're looking for and what your what part of the life cycle and ransomware that you're targeting. Um, I can guarantee you that every part of that life cycle, and that was a very general life cycle, it's it can be very detailed. Um, Every part of that life cycle, uh, the uh, bad actors have utilized. So you'll want to either tackle, if you're creating the security product yourself, you'll want to understand the risks um, of and the probability of attack throughout that life cycle and hit it really from a Pareto 80% 
they're going to be attacking using this 20%, they're going to be attacking using the rest of them. So I would go after the big hitters first, understand it from an unsupervised learning standpoint and um, understand your output and what's driving that um, output. And I understand independent variables, but um, uh, again, it, it, it really depends on what you're looking at um, for, for, the particular, for the particular model. I don't, didn't answer that very well. I'm gonna have to noodle on that one a little bit because it's a really great question, but- um, That's all right. I hate to yeah, uh, I hate to give it depends. <laughs> has an email and they have some contact information for you. So if you know if yeah. they'd like to reach out and you can try to give more detailed response. Yeah. Yeah. It's um I, I can tell you that most governments utilize a lot of the things they get hit with with uh, with attacking. So you know, hopefully. I guess hopefully are gone those times where people are killed and you're just waiting in line for gas. But unfortunately, things like healthcare, we have literally gone in from a um, from a nurse's station to a vital sign monitor uh, rack. The, uh, five or six vital sign monitors in ICU, and we can literally go in and and break it and change those those um, uh, those results, change them at the nurses station, and so it can kill people. And so um, question everything. Again, Uncle Al was was right. Um, how will quantum mm. encryption in the hands of bad actors impact attack landscape. Well, at Geneva, uh, Convention for Cyberspace be required. That's an awesome question. Um, uh, we, we can have a Geneva Convention. Uh, unfortunately, there will always be bad actors. Um, the quantum encryption will be... Um, a quantum uh, quantum compute will be very difficult for uh, all models. Um, all of the models, uh, in my opinion, will have to be uh, recreated uh, uh, to assume the zero and one at the same time. Uh, so I, I know of a lot of larger companies that have bigger pockets in McAfee like IBM and Microsoft have, have looked at quantum computing. Um, I'm concerned about all of our, all of our, um, uh, all of our systems and our models, uh, no matter what they are, uh, not just security, um, and we can have the Geneva Convention, but we will always have bad actors. We will, we will have cyber war until we get much more offensive. And um, well, now we're getting into personal opinions. Um, yeah. yeah, I I don't know. Um, yes, I'm, I mean I'm more of a dove. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just soon buy every product on the, in the world for security and hopefully that will protect my system. Sadly, what has happened um, is just in the past 24 hours, uh, my phone, wherever it is, has been spoofed. And uh, uh, someone, uh, you know, a bad actor has taken my phone number and utilized it as a callback number. And so I've gotten calls from 93-year-olds in Florida saying, you called me, honey, why did you call? And I'm going, I didn't call. Uh, an Autobot has got my number and it's not a virus on my phone. <laughs> it's actually a virus. Uh, it's actually the policy of the phone company. And until enough consumers complain about it, our government won't do anything about it. Yeah, well, now the phone companies are getting a hack too. And I don't know if you heard about the T-Mobile hack. Yes. Yes, I heard about that. I'm on Verizon. (laughs) But uh, yeah, spoofing is... I'm, I'm, I, I had a wonderful chat with this 93 year old man <laughs> from Florida. You said from Florida. Yeah. He was a musician. He was so happy to hear that I lived in Lubbock, Texas and Buddy Holly w- was born and raised here who inspired the Beatles. And he goes, Oh yeah, honey, I know, I know Buddy Holly. So it was, <laughs> he's going to have a birthday and next week. And it, it was, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny how, how uh, uh, spoofing, he said, I made his day and actually he made mine, so. Yeah, uh, some wonderful random encounters. Um, (laughs) We we wanted to wrap up soon and we don't need to wrap up the second, but we wanted to to slowly wrap up. (laughs) And um, I had um, a final question or two here that I wanted to ask you and David um, before we, um, before we end our event. Um, so just Celeste, for you, one, one final question. Um, you mentioned that Revel uses DLL site building. Maybe you can give a bit more information um, to our audience on what exactly that is. Sure, I, I, I'm, I'm uh, not a software expert either, um, but uh, I'm sure there are more experts on the call than, than I, but a, a DLL, uh, side loading is when a bad actor takes um, a DLL, a malicious DLL file, um, and uh, puts it in the same directory as a trusted EXE file. And so, when uh, if the EXE tries um, file tries to load a system DLL, it'll automatically go for the malicious one um, because it has the same name. And so the the attacker doesn't even need to know when um, or what method the EXE is is, uh, calling in the the DLL because it's it's automatic and it's supposed to work that way. Unfortunately, the the DLL um, has the same name and um, it's done automatically. So DLL side loading was used by our evil. Thanks, uh, thanks, Liz. And a final question for you, David. Um, 
Is there a concern about attacking um, the AI that protects us from ransomware? And if so, how do you think that we can um, protect it? Okay, yeah, thanks, Danny. And um, Celeste, first of all, this was great. And I don't mind having taken complete backseat on this because you know infinitely more about this um, than I do. So um, much rather be a listener on this. Um, this is just... And I know you've talked a little bit about AI and, and some of um, the means to attack a little bit as well. Um, and I just wanted to give you a perspective, you know, my perspective on that, because we're in the cybersecurity business more than the AI business in one sense. Sure. And, and what we look to do is we see two avenues, really, as you mentioned at a high level, right? The model and the data, two major places where you could start to um, attack. And what we see is that the um, security AI mechanisms such as ransomware AI are also one means of getting into that is, as you said, there's multiple ways to attack the model, multiple ways to affect the data. Sure. Uh, gave a great example, um, even a simplified example, right? If an AI is running, monitoring cars for crashes mm -hmm. and somebody just changes the data to be a hundred feet instead of 10 feet, or right. changes the model to say accelerate instead of stop, um, minor things can make a, a huge, a huge difference. Um, and we've actually just, done that experiment and we can do it with AML. Uh, well, hopefully if you do it, don't do it with my car. Um, but we did it with a Tesla. We did it with uh, an early version of Tesla. They have since corrected uh, and patched that vulnerability. Oh, that, that is, that is good to know. Um, Cause I know this things occurred. So that's, by the way, that's where, you know, my company Hub Security focuses as well as one of the areas we run out, we create an extremely secure computing platform. And the things that we do, we're actually looking to protect both any application, especially AI applications and, and the data as well. Um, we built the platform from a security perspective and then built it up to include kind of the computing as well, the CPUs and GPUs that are running all of these applications. So we start actually from securing the environment. Our means is how do we protect the model? We built these secure enclaves um, where we use something called confidential computing. It's kind of the next security paradigm. And that's what we use. We run the applications and we put everything, the logs, the data, everything inside of these secure enclaves, the, the access policies, whatever it is. So no one can actually get to it even while it's, while it's running. Um, actually, not even the company running it can actually get to it. That's actually accessing it. From the, the data perspective, cool. we do the same thing, even protecting the data. Um, one, we protect it at rest and in motion, which is pretty common. The other avenue is, again, protecting it while um, it's in use at the same time so that no one can modify it. And we even permit things like the more data you have, the better, but people are hesitant to share. So we could actually have multiple organizations share their information that's feeding into the model without anyone being able to see each other's information or the model, but they could share at least the insights. So it permits mm -hmm. some avenue of at least collaborating mm -hmm. um, on, on this respect. You know? mm -hmm. And around there, there's a host of other kinds of um, range of security controls around there. We have hardware firewalls that monitor every message coming in, every message going out. Um, even if the system's administrator's password was stolen, which is pretty, that's a pretty common way to get in, you still could not get into the actual application or the data to get to it. 
it would it would still prevent you from there. So um, as I said, there's a whole range of things around that platform, but our goal is to actually protect the AI models, especially even the, the security models so that people can't, it, it severely limits them from attacking the model and sure. attacking the AI to be able to get there. And I know we just started to, to talk with Matt V to see if there's some advantage of, of working together on that stuff too. But that's right. that's the essence of what we're trying to do to protect even the security mechanisms that are protecting us. It's a battle building walls I, I, and walls I'm, around everything. I'm, I'm familiar with this type of, of uh, platform. And uh, one of the things that I would recommend if you haven't done it is do a red blue team taming and grab some security experts if you haven't already uh, that are expert in red blue teaming and see if they can break it. Um, yeah, we, we've done several times. Have, we pay oh, outsiders yeah. to break in and we plan on doing it again Good. in the near future. Okay. We don't trust ourselves doing that. Yeah, no. Um, you have to have an outside. Yeah, it, it's it. definitely got to be black box. Yeah, yeah, that's what we, we actually do have. Uh, we, we do have people outside who actually attack it and we try. Um, we're thinking of I, some other creative ideas how to do that as well. I think that um, one of the uh, protections, AML, uh, while you don't see a lot yet, um, uh, there was one particular study out of Australia that actually attacked three or four different companies, uh, security companies, not McAfee, but um, they were able to use a black box, not knowing the model, not knowing the features, uh, AML attack, and they were able to penetrate the, the layers of protection of three or four different cybersecurity companies. Um, in protecting, hmm. sorry? Yeah, I'm thinking about that. You know, maybe offline, you could actually send me the name of that company. I I wish I could remember. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't, but I bet if you Google, uh, you know what? Let me find it because now it's going to bug me if I don't if I don't know who that is. Okay. Uh, if I don't know the answer to something, I'll I'll I'm like a dog with a bone. Yeah, let me find out. It it's been about four years, uh, three three years since uh, that occurred, but they, they um, utilized black box AML attacks. And it was, a, a, I don't remember whether it was a university or not, but um, I know they didn't attack McAfee, which was, which was good for us at the time. But I know that if you, if you can go on the offensive and put in, um, measures within the layers of security uh, to prevent AML. Um, you can use things like noise, feature reduction, reinforcement learning. Um, uh, I don't believe we I believe what we have is a trade secret on it, not a patent. Uh, because once you do a patent, then it's, you know, obviously available to uh, bad actors as well on the internet. Um, uh, someone suggesting it in the chat. Maybe this is the right one. 
Oh, let me see. Well, we could take that off because it's getting late. Yeah. And we'll look through that <laughs> offline, but I appreciate that. I actually just saved the link from there as well. Um, yeah. Is, is it Australia? It was Australia, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my memory isn't good. that bad. Not that, there you go. <laughs> Not that bad yet. And that's, that's um, good. Yeah. yeah. It, Thank you yeah, so much. Um, it, it's going on forever trying to get on my, my side. So I'll, uh, I'll stop that share there. So. Okay. Well, thank you everyone for joining us today. And thank you to our speakers, David Hochhauser and Dr. Celeste Freilich. Uh, we hope you're all staying safe and healthy at home. And we look forward to hosting many more events like these. So um, don't forget to follow Hub Security on LinkedIn, on Twitter. We're on, are we on Facebook? We're, we're everywhere where um, you can find media and content uh, and to stay up to date um, and to, to, to get in touch, sorry, with today's panelist, um, Dr. Fralick, uh, feel free to reach out to them directly. All of today's attendees will be receiving an email in the coming days with um, their contact information. Um, so don't be afraid to drop them the line if you had any other questions on today's a really, really, really fascinating presentation. And um, yeah, don't forget to check out um, Hub Security's Weekly Digest on Medium, um, which covers the top stories, latest stories of the week, trending in the cyber and security sphere. Uh, thank you once again, Dr. Falik, and thank you once again, David. We hope to see you guys uh, again. Thank you for having me. I, I really have enjoyed it and, and learning about uh, hub security and uh, appreciate all the insightful questions. And please don't hesitate to uh, email me if you have, uh, if, if you wanna carry on the conversation. And uh, for all of those, uh, please tell your, I, I always do this, but please tell your moms, your aunts, your sisters, please get a mammogram. It saved my life. I'm alive because of it uh, for six years. So um, thank you very much and uh, stay healthy, be well. And uh, I appreciate all, all, of your, all of your time and your questions. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Celeste. That was fantastic. Enjoy. Take care.